I'm thankful for Vincent. Um, he just, he's got a heart for Jesus. He, he, he'll do anything. So the reason you see people grow into some of the bigger things is because they're willing to do anything for the mission when you need it. And that's, that's how we have to be. It's a little hot in the wedge here, Mike one. That's how you have to be. You have to be, Jesus said to be, to be the greatest is to be the least. And so Vincent, you, you continue to demonstrate that. And I, I, you're, you're inspiring to me because it's not always fun to do the dirty work. Oh, we're gonna talk about how Jesus was born today. Little, little less in the wedge, Mike one. Y'all can see. I'm still in a daddy delivery mode, forgetting to say, like, y'all can take your seats in them. I want to share something cool about our baby that came. Um, I'm going to try to make it quick because I got a lot to give you today. And I said I'd never be the preacher who says that, but now here I am. Got a lot to give you. So we just had our fifth child. If you don't know our family, we're a family of seven now, and some cool facts about how God confirms not what we want, but that he's in control. We got a blessing out of this baby, but what God was really showing me and my wife is that he's in control. I'm a control freak at times. God says, I'm in control. I'm your seven. She was born December 7th, 2021. Ironically, her name is seven letters which was not planned, Camilla. She was born on Tuesday, the only day of the week that has seven letters out of a seven-day week. She made our family become a family of seven. God's biblical sign of completion and perfection is seven. Born at 1.54 p.m., six pounds, 15.8 ounces, just a couple ounces shy of seven pounds. 20 inches long. Sorry, I couldn't, couldn't do much with that one. But to summarize the backstory, so this, this, this journey, you might understand it deeper, is she's our miracle baby because three years ago, God gave me a word to announce our seventh family member three years ago in which I was going to preach on the number seven. And the sermon is called Seven to reveal our seventh. But then the problem was no baby showed up. So I had this sermon to announce a baby that God never put there. So then I threw it, crumbled it up in the trash I was in a season of frustration, disappointment, and sadness, and God spoke to me clearer, confirming that the sermon was to show that he is the seventh. It's not about a literal seven to find your completion in Christ, that he fills the void, and if it's three, it's three. If it's one, it's one. If it's no kids, that's your seven, perhaps, because Christ is the seven. And so he showed me that this message was bigger than a baby. It was about him being that completion in us. So we went on our way, and three years later, Michelle turns up pregnant after doctors told us there was no way for her to get pregnant anymore. After, after having babies like, like so easily, we had, we had four in a row, then all of a sudden it was hard and we just couldn't accept that, but we had to because the doctors said so. And you know the doctors are always right. Come on, somebody. We're thankful for doctors, but there's only one physician that's always right, and that's Jesus. 
So I'm thankful for that. And so three years later, Michelle turns up pregnant with a child after doctors told us there was no way. We did rounds of hormones, all the efforts, you know, and all the things and all the stuff, you know, the shots and nothing worked. And finally we said, this is just not God's will. And that's okay. We don't want to force something that's not God's will. We want God's will. And so we closed the door. And then all of a sudden, three years later, here we are. And Camilla makes her way into Michelle's womb. I couldn't make this up if I wanted to. All of our babies came around 37 weeks, with exception of one making it to 30 and a half, 38 and a half weeks. By far, none of them ever came close to their due date. We were so sure of when she would come because we know our children that we were planning to be out the 37th week of the pregnancy. That's when our babies come. But not this baby. This is crazy, y'all. This baby was taking her sweet old time, unbeknownst to us that God had planned to her, for her not to only arrive on the exact 40-week 40 40 due date, but on the 7th of December at the same time. How ironic is that God landed the 40 weeks on that date. We're like, why is this taking so long? We want the baby, God. And God says, you wanted my will and my confirmation, and I'm gonna speak so boldly to you that you have nothing to do but share this with somebody else because I'm just gonna keep confirming and confirming and confirming that I never left and that I was at work all along and that you didn't trust me like you think. You think you trust me, but you were patting me on the back when you were the one trying to do all the work and man's ways can't cover my way says the Lord sorry I've been off two weeks I'm a little fired up so I just thought that was so cool because she went three weeks past and landed on the seventh Tuesday 40 weeks God's greatest miracle and gift we could ever hope for to end 2021 and I noted here for this memoir I'm building God is speaking loudly that's what I wrote to myself. And that was to me. But the whole, the, whole, the whole testimony of this is not about us getting our baby. It's about that God speaks loudly when we're attentive to his voice. He can't, you can only hear somebody so long with the earplugs in or with the agenda set in stone. And so it just, it just, I want that to be encouraging to you, to someone else who has a situation that they feel like God left them out to dry and God has a reason to manage it in his due time. And that's your seven. And that's how you live your life. So I just thought that was cool to share and um, we're so excited. Can we show that picture of Camilla? <laughs> Isn't she cute? We had baby Bella come in there and uh, do the pictures and man, they do a good job. So that's our little baby. She's at home now, and baby and mom are doing great. And um, now there's just a child everywhere I turn my head. It's really freaking me out. Like, there's one over there. There's, there's one on the ceiling. Okay. I got a couple more announcements. Can I give you a couple more before we get into this word? Oh, Cameron, don't go too far, my buddy. Come on up here. This is a pack-filled day. Um, I said I'd keep it together for you, buddy. I gotta be pastor right now, but I love you. And you're, you're my family. <clears throat> Cameron was the very first volunteer here on January 14th, 2018, 1C Church. He was actually in the mix before we started, and I said, he'll never show up. And he did, 
and he's never left. He had the best uh, attendance record till he got a girlfriend that changed, <laughs> which is understandable. And um, he was our first volunteer to get the three year of service. Y'all, when you know, when you want to know one seat churches, you're looking at it. You're looking at it. When you see Vincent, when you see Mike, when you see all the people behind the scenes, Cameron has been a pillar. And all you online that couldn't make it and you're watching right now, Cameron is foundational in this church's success to even get us to this point. We got through Corona. Guess who was in the basement with me, Nolani, Chloe, and Michelle? Cameron, every single week. Come on, give him, give him a little praise right now. Anytime God calls, you have to follow your heart. You have to seek out what God puts in your heart because if you don't, you'll have regret. I fought that battle for 10 years. And as selfish as we want to be with people, we can only pray that God tugs them in a way that they keep finding their mission. And so Cameron has felt called to a mission in Arkansas, and he's going to go there. And he's not, he's not no longer part of 1C Church, but he's going to be there for a while, and he's going to come see us, and we're going to have him in service with us every week till the end of January. And God's calling him to do great things. He's got a, he's got a minister's heart. He's got a pastoral heart, and, and God's going to do great things in his life. And he's, he's quiet, but he's got so much more that's inside of him that God's about to pull out. And so, Vincent, if you could come up, we just want to tell you we love you. We thank you for your service. And our, our flesh, like Christ in the garden, says no, no. But, but our spirit says thank you, Lord, because, because God's doing a great work in you. And that's all we could ever hope for out of this church was that God would plant seed and root up new life in people. So we just want to, he, he said he didn't want to say anything, but I want to ask him again. Do you want to say anything? <laughs> a little bit more about Cameron because I'm, I'm on the spot and I'm a little blurry from the hospital stay. But Cameron basically has been the production manager, production lead for One Seat Church since the beginning when there was nothing. We, we evolved it as time went on. We went through many iterations of video cameras and, and live streaming approaches and bandwidth issues and BNC cables being broke. Oh, you're going to really miss that, I'm sure. And he's always been there, pliable, ready to grow. He's done a lot of our post-production, the stuff you see on YouTube, the little short clips with the graphics. Cameron has been in all of that for three and a half years, pushing four years now. And so I just can't thank you enough for your investment in this church and your investment in me as a human being. You've made me better. He spent Christmas with us because he's family. He went, when he had no one here, he's, he's from out of state. Um, you know, it was cool because Cameron was the first to really get close to our heart as pastors, the first outsider to get close to our heart. And um, that's, that's, that's what matters. It's more than what's on Sunday morning. You're, you're, you're our family, and we love you. So we're going to pray. Vincent's going to pray a blessing. If you all can stand to your feet with me. If you're online, yeah, that's you too. Just because you're on, on the camera at home don't mean we don't stand in reverence for God's prayer over his people. So stand on up. Reach your hand forward. If you're online, reach your hand forward towards the camera, towards your TV, towards your smartphone. And we're going to pray a blessing right now in Jesus' name. Lord, among this church, Lord, and our staff, God, with his talents, Lord, with his passion and dedication, God, we are so blessed, Lord, to have him, God. We are so thankful, Lord, that you brought him, Lord, to one seed, God. We thank you, God, for him, Lord, in Jesus' name, God. Lord, we
we ask a blessing upon his life, God, Lord, physically, Lord, mentally, Lord, spiritually, Lord, bless and anoint his life, Lord, in Jesus' name, God. Every step he takes, Lord, let it be ordered of you, God, in Jesus' name, God. Bless his ministry, Lord, in Jesus' name, God. Everything he tries and put effort toward, God, let it be anointed of you, God, in Jesus' name, God. Move through his life, God. Lord, show your light through him, God. Let him be that beacon, Lord. Let him be that light upon a hill, Lord. Lord, in Jesus' name, God. Let others, Lord, be attracted and drawn to him, God. In Jesus' name, God. We thank you, Lord, for him, God. His passion and desire, Lord, and his will and determination, God. We give you all the glory and the honor, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Everybody say amen. Y'all can take your seats again. He also provided the worship space for our worship team in another building. I mean, the list goes on. I'm going to be thinking of more things Cameron's done for this church when I leave here. But I'm just trying to show you that the investment is deep-rooted when you invest in, in God. It's more than a Sunday show. This is a life lifestyle. What you see here is just the, the cherry on the top of a life we are to live. And so I'm thankful for people like Cameron who has demonstrated that in and outside of the church. All right, one more announcement, and then we'll be into our two-week series. How many knows we bought a building? I've been in such a blur that sometimes I'm like forgetting there's a building waiting for us in three weeks. Yeah, in three weeks, we're going to our home. So we're thankful, YMCA. Last week, uh, next week is our last week here. The following week, we're off. It's the day after Christmas. We're just going to shut down and let people enjoy their holiday weekend. January 2nd, we're going to have a meet and greet at the church. Church time, new church time, 1030. We're going to have coffee donuts. It's going to be raw, guerrilla-style church for about a month. You know why? Because there's construction going on. So if you, want, if you want to go after God, you show up. Yeah, the floors aren't there. It's some rough concrete. Make sure you have some shoes on. Make sure your kids are well padded. We're going to have some caution tape. Don't go to that side of the building because it's under construction for real. But it's going to be safe. We're going to get in there because that's our home. And that's what, that's what the, the, the heartbeat of this is. We're going to be in our home as it changes from week to week. We're going to see it change rapidly into a new building. A new building. The front is going from guttered to brand new, people. If some of you are on the fence for giving, you want to see God move quickly, now is the time. This is no joke. We're here to shake up the community. This is not a lazy approach with the gospel. I'm crazy like that, and we're taking this church aggressively into this church, even before we're maybe permitted. So I'm working on that, too. So we're working, with the, we're working with the city. What I'm saying is this costs a lot of money. This doesn't run on blessing and prayer until the prayers get some legs. So I'm just saying, if you're on the fence, it's a great time to give because the build-out is going to be expensive, but we're going to do it. So anybody that wants to jump on there, I encourage you, God will multiply where you think you're losing in the pocketbook. God's going to multiply it and give you more than you can handle, like the two loaves of bread and the fish. Excuse me, the two fish and the five loaves. You can go to 1cchurch.org slash pledge 
if you want to join in the mission and watch this building react to the fruits of your giving heart. I challenge you, go all in. Go all in for a couple months and watch God really do something drastic. It's so good. And we don't preach like this very often. I don't shout about money very often. But I'm telling you, church, this is a big deal. And this building is going to change the face of what you cannot even fathom yet because it's so different than what you even know is coming. So jump on board. Don't drop your notes. I love y'all. Tis the season to be... Anyway, 1cchurch.org slash pledge. If you're interested in getting in a, like a reoccurring pledge towards the building fund, or if you're on the fence about tithing, it is biblical. It is foundational. I can't, I can't lie to you and tell you it doesn't matter because it's everything biblically. If you're not tithing, you need to reevaluate your scripture walk because it is foundational. That's how the church is supported. Support your storehouse, the Bible says. So what I'm saying is I challenge you to, to try tithing if you haven't, to try, to try giving, because remember, it's his to begin with. It's when we hold it, we think we're gaining. We're actually losing. The car payment isn't going to fail because God is going to bless you. We think it will. I'm, I'm preaching to myself here. I've preached on this whole testimony how God changed my life and exploded our world when I finally gave up fully submission, full submission to him. So anyway, um, I challenge you to try giving if you haven't. And it's an exciting time because you're going to see right where it's going, in the lobby, in the floor, in the paint, in the drywall, in the lights, in the permits. What else? In the dumpster. You know they got to charge you every time they fill that thing. We're on fill number four. It's a 40-yard. It's fun. It's fun filling up that dumpster. I love dumpsters. Like, get it out of here. Let's just take out the whole building. No, we keep that part. All right, I'm really going to get to the message now. Love you guys. Thank you for letting me speak my heart there. If I didn't, I'd be cheating you as a pastor, really. I'm not in this for me. I don't take, I don't take salary. I don't take money. I never will, ever. When this is full-time, I must still be a volunteer, just so you know. So your money goes to this project, not to me. I don't need it. I love y'all. Two weeks here, we're going to talk about this, the, the expedited advent. I'm calling this series Christmas Memories because we have two weeks to look at the story of Jesus. And it's really hard to preach the stories everybody knows. It really is. I find Easter and Christmas the hardest sermons to preach because everybody kind of knows the story. So you got to get it right. And you can't, you know, how creative can you keep repeating the same story? But God always reveals something new. I want to give you Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 21. And it will be nice when we have the building. And if I need another 10 minutes, we won't get like, you know, security on us, throwing us out. <laughs> Three more weeks. Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through 21. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. That's a population count. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius, sorry, I've been, I was drinking Folgers all week. Quirinius was governor of Syria, Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem town of David because he belonged to the house in the line of David. You're supposed to go to your own hometown for the census. He went there to register with Mary, 
who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were scared, terrified. My Nelly voice, Cody. <laughs> Inside joke. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Another translation says good tidings of joy. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. He is the Lord. This will be a sign to you, a sign. Remember God gave us a sign with our baby? This will be a sign to you. The sign is when it doesn't look like what you expect, you will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Not at St. Luke's, not at the Holiday Inn, in a manger. That is the sign that God is in this. Suddenly, a great company of a heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those to whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Man, I thought sleeping on that couch was bad. At St. Luke's, <laughs> there's no couch up in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at the shepherds, as what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God and all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus. Everybody say Jesus the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When was he named? Before he was even conceived. Conceived. Jesus is to be the mirror of our life. We are to model him. So if he was named before he was even conceived, what does that say about us? Guess who was also named before she was conceived? Camilla. You know how? Because Michelle wanted Camilla since baby number one 11 years ago. And I said, I don't really like that name. I don't know. I think people have trouble pronouncing it. I just don't know. Let's go with Chloe, Caleb, Colton, Kaylee. Boom. Number five. Okay, fine. You get your way. You can have a Camilla. See, she was named before she was conceived. And by the way, I love the name now. It took me 11 years. I said, this is our last kid. Michelle, I want you to get the name that you've been wanting all this time. And she wanted the others, but pretty cool how we See God in that. She was named before she was conceived. We're going to look at the memories. In the, it's going to be a quick two weeks here. And you're going to have to stick with me because this is about our Christmas memories of how maybe our past has brought us through the holidays. And also like what, what Jesus kind of thought as a man when he thinks back to like the days in the manger. Obviously it sounds silly because he's the Messiah and he planned the whole thing. But when you think about like Christ having memories, you know, he was a child once. So we're calling it Christmas memories. But this first week we're talking about the barn. The barn. The barn is not where most people want to go when the baby's time to come. 
The manger is sure not adequate to deliver in a high-tech 2021 world, according to us. Here we have the promise of the Messiah delivered to us in a manger. God's greatest gift now arrives in the least of where we'd believe him to show up. God shows us that the world, excuse me, God shows the world that big things come in tiny packages like six pounds, 15 ounces. Oh my Lord, that's tiny. And that they may arrive at unexpected times in unexpected locations. And sometimes the greatest parts of this journey you're going to find in your life, everybody say my life, is in a messy place. You ever been in the delivery room? It's a messy place. I won't go there. (laughs) Once every few years is plenty for me. It's a messy place. It's the messy place that God can clean us up and show us something special. He's put in this place just for us. Our memories this Christmas season will enjoy many wonderful things like giving gifts, eating Christmas cookies from Chipotle that were amazing. Thank you so much, Dawn. Those were awesome. I ate the little orange package one, and I wanted to eat more, but I had to share and not get fat. Awesome. Thank you. Um, By the way, thank you for all the people who are giving us meals and the meal train and Amanda and all the people setting that up and Jen and, and all the people. Like, we've just been flooded this week with so much love. I'm having trouble focusing because I just feel so joyful of all the love and appreciation. So thank you for that. The taco tray, so good. Ate some last night. Awesome. After Chipotle, later, I'm tacoed out. <laughs> okay. But this Christmas season, we will enjoy many wonderful things like that. Gifts, cookies, spending time in fellowship. And as we cherish this memory about to come to pass again in 2021, let's not us forget our many abundant blessings that started at the beginning of our journey, which brings me to my title, which is the barnyard blessings. The barnyard blessings, the messy place that got you comfortable for today. I bet what got you comfortable wasn't a comfortable situation. You had to go through something to find a place of comfort Because you don't just start out that way. You got to go through some things. And Jesus didn't start out that way. So I sure as as heck know that my life should not always be peaches and cream if I want to find the best God has for me. I got to go to that messy hospital room. And just this, you know, this journey this past week, it's, it's always fitting because, again, the baby wasn't timed with this message. It wasn't, there was no parallel. But it reminds me that the greatest blessings always will start in the barn, in the barn. It stinks in the barn. It's loud in the barn. They wear COVID masks in the barn till the nurse leaves. <laughs> That's a joke. I had to wear my thing. Michelle had to wear her thing until, like, time to, anyway. And finally, we just said, we're not doing it. It's kid number five, security, let's go. <laughs> they were cool. The greatest blessings start in the barn. And the problem with the barn, the problem in this passage is that there was no rooms available at where they had intended to have the baby. We intended to have the baby at St. Luke's. And one of the biggest fears Michelle has had along this journey was what if we're at the lake? We like to go to the lake. Any other other lake people here? Osage? Lake people? 
three people. Okay, so, but there's 100 people on the broadcast right now going, that's me. Anyway, so, so um, her biggest fear was that in her last trimester, we would be at the lake when it's time to, like, have the baby, and she wouldn't get to go to the inn that she had planned to deliver the baby because that was not according to convenience, schedule, comfort, no coffee, no little gold, roll gold bags of pretzels, fun size. Well, thank you, COVID. That was gone already. But, but, but even worse, like now it just doesn't exist to begin with because we're in a barn, people. Like, so like, so like I'm, I'm going back and forth here from, from the text to, to, the, to the illustration here that just like Mary and Joseph, I mean, Mary, I know she was young and, and conceived of the Holy Spirit and his immaculate conception, but she still was a human being who had feelings for her child and probably wanted it to go a certain way. You think she woke up going, I'm just going to go have this in a manger, you know, where pigs eat, drink, or whatever they do in those. It's like a trough, like a horse trough inside of a shed, essentially. I don't think it's like one of these nice barns you see delivered, and you make them into like a really cool fitness center. Wouldn't that be fun if you had a property big enough? You could make it like a rec, rec room barn. But no, I don't think it was like that. Like you see on like The Rock, you know, he's on TV. He's got like houses everywhere. Like I don't think that's the kind of barn they're in. I think it was like bare bones barn. Disgusting to some of us. Ew to some of us. Jimmy Fallon voice. Ew. Like that kind of gross barn. But that's where God took them on the way. He took them to Bethlehem. That was prophetic, you know, that the child would be sport. Uh, Isaiah spoke of the child coming to Bethlehem. And so here we are. We're not going to our, our town where we should have our senses. We're going to Bethlehem because that's where God sent us to have this baby. But we think there's just no rooms available where we wanted to go. We see the problem. God sees the blessing. We see the circumstance. God sees the fruit of working through it. We see it as a setback. God sees it as a setup. I'm thinking of this building right now. It's a big deal. Some people see it and go, oh, man, that looks like a lot of work. Me and Cody like work. Cody texts me, I like work. What can I do? I like that. I like work too because we know that when it looks like a setback, God says it's a setup. God's in this. This is too big to be of our own fruit. So we think there's no rooms. And what do we do? When there's no rooms, do we go looking for a barn? No, we call and we yell at the people and say, open up a room. My wife's going to deliver at St. Luke's. What do we got to do to get in? But God said different here. And in these unplanned moments, we get anxious because the fear of not knowing the plan is what scares us. We lose control and we quickly think that God went to Gulf Shores on vacation. But as we can see with Camilla, God never stopped controlling the situation. <laughs> we let the doctors take our faith into the dumpster. I remember a specific conversation with Michelle. I said, just because they said it doesn't mean it can't happen. What's wrong with you? Like, I was almost like, what's wrong with you? Like, like I probably said it like that. Like, are we forgetting that God really can do anything if he desires? He raised Lazarus from the dead. 
if he desires. There's a reason he did it. It wasn't to just make Lazarus be back with his people. He was saying, I'm the resurrection. Like, that's another example. What I'm saying to you is God never stops controlling the situation. Now, we are not puppets. We have free will. We are, 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 the, the foreknowledge of God was there from the beginning, but we have a decision to make as his servants. God doesn't pull our strings. God knows the end from the beginning, but we have a decision to make. Are we going to follow the path that he knows about? There's a difference. That's why we say grace is the doorway. Faith walks through it. Because if there was no faith in the process, God would be a dictator, and I wouldn't serve a God like that. God gives me a chance to say, I love you back, and I'm thankful for you back. And that's why God created man, was to see that someone would love him back on their own will. So, I'm just saying, he never stops controlling, though, his will. And if it is his will, you're somehow going to stumble into it or out of it. It's there, whether we think it's there or not. So that should be comforting. And when God presents that situation that breaks that routine where we think the hotel's full, the hospital's full, that's a barnyard blessing. That's a good thing. This, this place I'm talking about, it has the ability to steer the course of the entire journey through the rest of your life. These moments in the hospital, they trigger the future of our life with that child. This moment in the manger triggered the fulfillment of a plan that God had from the beginning that now has come to life in that child. And we know it would go on to grow up into the Messiah. This is where Jesus was born. This Messiah was the mission. No manger, no mission. When you don't like the barn in your life, just remember, no barn, no mission. You got to have a place to go to get a little messy and see God clearly. He's got to ruffle your soil a bit. I, we like to use garden and soil illustrations a lot. It's biblical. And we talk about stirring the soil. If your soil never gets stirred up a bit, you never even evaluate to see if your plants are growing right, to see if your garden's rooting right. And so that's what these barnyard blessings do. We think there's no rooms, and God says, there's rooms. It's just not where you think the room will be. And that's comforting because God is always looking out. Just like Jesus was born here, Jesus can enter your life in your barn. That situation. That's how people often find God is in that situation they didn't plan for. Because they hit, a, they hit a point where they have no more control and they know it and they have no opportunity but to cry out, Abba, Father, help. Help me. It's not fancy. It's not pretty. It's not King James. It's God, help me. And God will. You don't have to be a theologian to pray properly to the Lord Jesus Christ and for him to respond to you in your Charlton Heston voice that puts you to sleep anyway if you're driving a car. You need to say, God, help me. And he will. And sometimes you can yell in the closet in a prayer, God, help me. I'm at the end of my rope, God, help me. And he still hears you. He still hears you. When you cry for help like that, it's a heart condition, God says it. Let me snatch you up into my arms. 
And that's what he did in the barn. The greatest blessings will always start in the barn. The problem with the barn, especially when you're banking on the Holiday Inn, or maybe, um, I don't know, like a Weston, St. John Island, I don't know, something like that, before, before the tornadoes took it out, I think it's gone now. Um, the problem with the barn is then how do you recognize God? Well, what did he say? I will give you a sign. I read the memoir of all the sevens, and I know, like, if Pastor Jeff says seven one more time, I'm never going to use that number in the rest. No, I know I've been talking about it because I'm trying to show you the repetitive pattern. I've been talking about it all week of signs that they're there if you watch for them. And so what did he say in verse 12? Excuse me, i got a lot of paper up here. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. That's God. When I see that, when the shepherds saw that, they knew their Messiah had come. All the years of their life, they had been told from the, from the, 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 the Pentateuch and the law and all the things, and, they, and then they, they, there was prophecy back there. They knew the Old Testament at this point, okay? They knew there was a Messiah to come. They knew this was that. A little Joel 2.28, a little Pentecost in there, the same thing. They knew this was that because it was prophetically spoken forever. When you see the baby in the manger, that is your Messiah. That is your barnyard blessing. God will give you a sign to recognize in the barn that this is him working. Just like this week, we knew this is God working because there is nothing more pure than a child being born. You can see the face of God in the child. It's, it's as pure as it gets. Peoples of Christ, people of Christ's day, they knew the Messiah was to come, but they expected it to look different. They expected, one year I preached about Amazon and it to be a certain type of package. And, and, and it showed up as a different type of package. You know, they expect, we always hear the song, um, Lion and the Lamb. It's because they expected a lion on the outside. And to be the lion, he had to lay down as the lamb. And so, so to actually accomplish his will, he had to show up in the dirty barn and get his get his. I don't think he even had a diaper. I don't know what they covered him in, but I'm sure it was gross and stanky because, because of a lot of reasons, but because of the animals too and, and all of the things going on, it had to be ugly for a minute. It had to be. He had to go to the cross. No one wants to go to the cross. Even Jesus questioned it. Vincent, we just, you just spoke on this passage. Like even in the garden, he, he, he was hesitant because that's not the comfortable way. That is the way of God, though. So, when your holidays get wrecked this Christmas, just say, thank you, Lord. I'm kidding. Hopefully that doesn't happen. If you burn the cookies, just say, thank you, Lord. I got a barnyard blessing. If your wife don't make enough cookies and you feel like, I need to go to Chipotle and just buy me some, then just say, thank you, Lord. I've got cookies. (laughs) Thank God for any situation that comes up that you're not expecting. And you'll find a barnyard blessing in that. You will. He'll give you a sign. If it went how we planned, we would never have a dependency on Jesus Christ. And the baby, 
the Spirit of God dwelt in that was named prophetically according to his purpose. Jesus, baby Jesus, little Jesus, oh, he's so cute. He needed his mom and dad like we need our Heavenly Father. And he was ready to be delivered, so God said, now. So sometimes we got to take a detour when God says, now. If we're at the lake and that baby had to come, guess what we're having the baby at? The lake. Sorry, babe, we're not going to make it to Chesterfield from Camdenton. The baby has to come now, according to God's timing and purpose. That's why we preach when you have something on your heart to go after for God, go after it. Because time is but a vapor in this life. Find your calling, go after it. And God will change your path. But if you don't ever start the path, you'll never find the path. And so we, we encourage that. What's so cool about this birth of Jesus, and I know I kind of ran through this quickly, but is back to the whole naming thing. Just like he was already named according to the foreknowledge of God, the plan of redemption, God already named you. He already named me Jeff, even though my dad wanted to call me Matthew. Tommy. I was Tommy. My mom said no. <laughs> 1978. I was born in 79. Sorry, Dad. Jesus had named me Jeff according to his purpose. So we can try to change it to Tommy and it not be God's will. No, I'm just joking there. That is a true story. But what I'm trying to say to you is you have been named and planned out according to his purpose before you were conceived. Just like me, just like Camilla, just like Jesus. So when you feel like he's not there, he was there, he made you, he named you, he knows the hairs on your head, the Bible says. He knows every word you'll speak, every word. Uh-oh, thank you, God, for forgiveness. Yeah, like, God is in control. Don't make me twist this into a sermon on seven again because God is in control and I will go there because God named you before the foundation of the world. You already have a name and you already had a name. Before the shortcomings, we used to preach this because we get people saying, well, I can't serve in, in this church because of my background. And we said, before you ever sin, God already loved you. So you can go back and be forgiven. Don't, don't opt out because the devil's lying to you. That's what he does. He tries to get you to sell out for him, thinking you're doing the church a favor by not being part of the body. And that is a foolish lie. Maybe we should stop putting conditions on how to serve God and stipulations on what the menu looks like and just get out there and get dirty with the broom like me and Cody were talking about. Anything for Jesus, I'm in. That's when you're going to find tremendous barnyard blessings. If you all could stand with me this morning. And next week we're going to get into, normally we do like four weeks on Christmas, but it's been a strange year with the building and the, and the baby and we're going to get more into a little bit about Jesus and his life after this point. But I want to leave you with today 
that there's nothing more encouraging than to step back before the pain you you experienced in your life and know that you were already named. You already had a name. You already had a bond from your father in creation who planned you. You already had all that. You were already named, and, and, and you now have been delivered into possibly a dirty situation to expose your godly purpose. I'm sorry, but they didn't have online church when Jesus came. They, didn't, they might have had internet, but no, they didn't have internet. <laughs> we have gotten so conditioned. I saw a post, I like Torrin Wells, and he, he's a, how many like Torrin Wells? Little Toby Mac, little Hits Deep Tour. Anyway, and, and he, he posted something, and this was cool. It just stirred a thought in me. He said, this is, um, it was a picture of an older church. I love the modern church. I'm all about, like, subwoofers and lights and all the thing, and we're going to have all that. But he said, he said, this is, um, you know, this is like the church before um, the modern church. And, and it was like just a room. And it was so funny because we have become conditioned to that environment and like right now, this is our environment. And whatever we, we learn of what church is to us, it becomes our environment. But what we have to be careful is, is if it makes us so comfortable that we no longer have a hurt. A, 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 I was telling Mike this morning, when we lose the setup team, we got to still stay hungry to help God's mission when we go to church on Sunday mornings. Because if we just, we lose that, the bond and the glue goes away. The building doesn't build the church, the people do. The building is a shell, and if you don't get the people in there to reach the people, the building stays empty. And so, and so we were talking about that because that's actually a common thing, that, that the church can get soft and get comfortable in themselves. This is not about us staying happy, and yeah, we're going to have some good coffee, but now we're going to finally really go after the community. We want strangers to become family. So anyway, all that to say that the torn had posted this picture, and it was just funny because, yeah, like, church is wherever you take it. The church is meant to go out. And so, if it's got to be in a barn. I almost bought an equestrian a few years ago to make into a church, Vincent. Did you know that? No, I didn't either. But it stunk like horses. I'm like, can we get the horse smell out? I'm like, hey, it's 20,000 feet. Put a floor in. This will be a church. I'm serious. We've been looking for this for a long time. And so what I'm saying is we'll make whatever we got to do become the church because it's about the people reaching the people in the barn. And when you can get them in the barn, you can get them out of the barn. We're not going to stay in the barn, but you got to get in the barn first. So good. I'll take a barnyard berth any day so I can live in a heavenly mansion. Come on, somebody. It's not just supposed to zing good across your ears. It's supposed to penetrate the heart here. I want you to leave here today going, you know what? I want to go into the barn so I can live like a king according to Christ Jesus. This holiday season, I'm going to be at, I'm going to be at Deerberg's when they're dinging the bell outside and say, do you know Jesus? I'll give you something if you, if you tell me about Jesus. I'm going to quiz you. Like, like, no, you can do what you want. But I'm saying get out there with the gospel and say something about your Lord. Well, that's just on Sundays, and I'm not really etiquette. I don't know how to speak the Bible. You don't have to say nothing. Just say, you know what? I pray you have a blessed day. God loves you. And they'll say, thank you, and give you a weird look sometimes. But it will sit on their heart and simmer. One seed at a time. Just, just drop them out there. Just drop them out there. So good. I'm going to close you with this story, and we'll go into some worship. We're talking about 
the memories of Christmas and and, and starting back at the birth of Christ is the first Christmas. And, and, and it's these barnyard moments in, in, in the hospital this week. It took, it took us back to the barn. It took us back before blessings. It took us back to the bare bones barns of the first time the child said, Daddy. It took us back to the first time that my wife uh, was now called Mommy. Like, it took us back to that place. And that that is the foundational point of this word here, is that just like you were named in the beginning, that is the point that reminds you of your mission now. You've gotten out of that place. You've gone a long way since then, but never lose sight of how it started. That's the most important time in your life, is when your babies came, is when your family formed, when you said, I do to your spouse, when you had that child, and they said, Daddy, those are the moments that last forever. Those are the moments you'll remember. Those are the moments you can't get back. So make the most of them and let them drive your mission forward. That's what a barnyard blessing will do. Let's pray now. Every head bowed. I challenge you to lift a hand with me to the heavens. God, we thank you that we get this opportunity to reminisce on your birth. Such a wonderful miracle. God, we thought we were blessed this week, but the blessing you brought through through the manger is, is the greatest miracle to ever be delivered. And we will never dilute the water that, that, that is holy and living in this story, God. It's alive and well. You are the living water. And your promise came on that morning to the manger. We're thankful, God, for what you're going to do in the days to come. We're thankful for what you did back then when you grew up and you took the cross for us and you forever have changed our eternity, God. We're thankful, Lord, for this holiday season. We pray we, we, we keep your gospel at the foundation this Christmas season and we have a good time in Jesus' name. And if the house of God can say in Jesus' name.